You're listening to the She Lift Project podcast, a show dedicated to helping women achieve higher levels of success in the workplace. No matter where you are in your career, we want to help you grow. Now here's your host, Cynthia Kirkpatrick, a CPA, CFP, and Senior Financial Advisor at Mineta Group. Welcome to another episode of the She Lift Project podcast. I'm Cynthia Kirkpatrick, happy to have everybody with us. And today we have multiple people in one with us. And here's why I'm gonna say that. One, you're Jen Cease, you're Jennifer Cease, as I know you for 40 something years. You're Jen Cease Gansner, Jennifer Cease Gansner, you're everyone, everything. And that also, not only in title, explains all of the things that you do in life. So thank you for coming today and uh, getting up so early in the morning to join us. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So I may, might as well just call this out early on you in the do it podcast. Early, I'm like, and you're Cynthia Cease. I and know. not Cindy, because I didn't grow up. Our mother, as people did not allow we were we were supposed to say our full names <laughs> and you heard that right our mother so this could go well or this could go south really fast i think it's going to go well either way it's going to be a great ride sprinkled in with some probably <laughs> fun jokes and who knows where it'll go but we are siblings sisters four years apart C we have sisters do which see sisters yes see sisters uh a brother in between us but uh so again this could go many different directions but just to start all the things that you have going on right now most recent stl city so the new soccer team in st louis just opened up this year 2023 for the first season explain all the thing. i think i know what you do but all the things that you do for stl city oh boy um so yeah it that st louis city sc is the new mls soccer team in st louis and for anybody that is our age probably also older you know there is a vindication among the fans like yeah we finally see we sh we always were a good soccer town we were one of the original soccer towns so it's been great to have city come into st louis and it's you know they've been coming for a time but this season 2023 is their first debut season they're doing really well incredibly weirdly well for an expansion team at the top of the western conference um so for st louis city i do a couple of different things um i work on the broadcast which is locally here in st louis um, it's an odyssey station called y98 carries the broadcast and so i work on the broadcast to run like the pregame show the halftime show the postgame show and you know do a few sideline or sports desk reports in the broadcast when the team is at home um, i have filled in a couple times for color analysis um, once at home once on the road and then i also run uh, with a co-host uh, the St. Louis City Soccer Report on another Odyssey station, the sister station, KMOX Radio, which is the flagship of the Blues and the um, Blues Hockey and Cardinals Baseball. And we talk about that this is not going to be one of your soccer broadcasts, but they literally are number one in their region, right? In yeah, their conference. City, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Eastern Conference is, is one, and then St. Louis is in, a, in the Western Conference, and, and currently they sit atop, which is, you know, not where an expansion team typically, you're supposed to start out clawing for like maybe to get a quarter of the way, third of the way, and, and they're sitting atop right now, coming into, at this point of the recording, um, at the MLS kind of break. So they'll have a break in the MLS, there's a Leagues Cup tournament, and they will then um, you know start back up, which will be good for the team. They've got a few injuries. They've definitely, in the world of mindset, 
Um, they've definitely, you know, struggled with things not always going the right way. So it's been interesting to see their journey. And that's kind of new or uh, good for an expansion team, but also something that's interesting, and we might touch upon it, we might not, is the leadership of the team or the ownership of the team. Talk about that, because that's n- first it's very in MLS, it's right? A fir- yeah, first. And it, it might be a first um, in other leagues as well, but it's the first majority-owned, fem- female-majority-owned club. So it is um, largely led and you know there are plenty of men in, in positions of power but there are a lot of women in positions of power and you know when they financially made this happen it was a women's group that came together to do it so um i do feel for the women's group too because there's many of us yourself included who've played the game and who are already like can we get an nwsl team are we gonna get a women's team and and it's funny when you speak to some of them they're like it it's it's not that it's not in the plan, but you know we're just kind of focusing on this year right now. So you know hopefully that will that will come out as well. But yeah, it's really interesting to see um, and work with a club that is into diversity in so many ways, um, from you know diversity of ethnic background to diversity and making sure that there's many different kinds of people with a seat at the table. So you're not only doing that, but this maybe well. You're also doing mindset coaching, performance mindset coaching, really anchored or zeroed in on young athletes. Yeah. Right? It was the part of, of my game I struggled with. So growing up and being one of those, you know, I, I chuckle back in the time. So we're both Generation X. So I'll be I'll be turning 50 this year. So that gives you the kind of, you know, growing up is largely a kid of the 70s and the 80s. Um, it wasn't that sports weren't present for us. Title IX made that happen. Um, it's different, though, as I watch my daughters play and my sons play, that it wasn't uh, it wasn't as much of an expectation. It was like, oh, and oh, she oh, does she play sports? And 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 it was not always welcomed. And it was an interesting place to be. Sometimes you had to play with boys to even play, um, or get yourself in with the boys so you could play. Um, and just growing up now and, and seeing my kids grow up, I should say, and have that just, it's just an expectation. It's like, you know, if I talk about my four kids and if we're talking about sports, the natural next question would be, do your kids play? And not just the male kids, but do the female kids play? And which is really cool to see, um, you know, the growth of that. So at growing up as a as an athlete who was, you know, fairly gifted on the physical side. You know, I was a fast, per, you know, fast kid. There wasn't mostly skills that I couldn't pick up pretty naturally. That was just kind of nice to have. Um, if I struggled anywhere and when I struggled, it was always on the mental part of the game. You know, back then it was, we were trying to coach mental, coach, we're trying to coach mental without knowing they were, you know, by saying, if you've ever been told, get out of your own head, mm-hmm. you know, get your head up, you know, don't think about it, uh, be confident. An overthinker like myself would would just it would just make it worse, and so it would be. There were times that I struggled. So, as I coached kids, and my kids started going through sports, and you could see, like, oh, that kids that she or he is not using their weak foot, and that has zero to do with their ability. It has everything to do with what's going on upstairs, and just kind of became a passion of mine. Um, the psychology degree lends to it. It's not in sports psychology, but I think workplace psychology is very related. And maybe that's a great place to go all the way back to the beginning, because we'll talk about, we haven't touched on everything that you've accomplished or done, but to start when you said you were fast, you were athletic, 
again, this is the the uh, luck of us being sisters. I can say, well, I know when you were growing up in the neighborhood, you were feared by a lot of the boys. <laughs> you were, you know, you were that quintessential, which I don't even know if I agree with calling a girl a tomboy anymore. Because it was, it was for it, sure. Yeah, it doesn't matter as a girl or a boy or whatever, whatever tendencies you have, it's you just were more athletic or you were more gritty, whatever it might be. Yeah. But if we... And I like to play. I just, I liked, there's a there's a funny little reel or whatever that's on Instagram I've stumbled across where it's like, you know, a girl who, a little girl who's in this really pretty dress, probably, I don't know, maybe she was in a wedding procession or something and she's just like pulls up her skirts and starts running with the boys because they're playing. She's, that was me. <laughs> that was me. It was, you know, mom would many times be like, you're gonna, if you're gonna wear something nice need to keep it nice and i inevitably failed almost every time i was like don't make me wear something nice and we'll be okay here (laughs) much more comfortable in cleats and tennis shoes or whatever (laughs) but being the and you already said it that you're going to turn 50 so you already basically admitted you're older than me Um, oh i'm so so glad i did since you couldn't call it out (laughs) (laughs) oh my god well what i was gonna say was that you know you were the oldest and you for whatever reason you were into sports so our dad was heavily into sports especially baseball our mom not so much but that was the time time sign of the times and so you naturally were all at the at the time we basically had basketball soccer softball baseball you did all of them which i think then led the rest of us there's four of us total to kind of dip our toes and play in some sports so i think we always looked up to that athletic and even around the neighborhood and around town uh jennifer cease and i have to call you jennifer was (laughs) that multi-sport athlete so early on knowing wanting to be in sports and also really excelling being able to be three sports play while well. you played club soccer club softball which was a pretty big much bigger deal i think back then yeah to- i mean i i tease my kids um and you know we all you have kids i have kids who play and we know that kids are hyper scheduled right we, we we it's just a sign of the times but i tease them like i was a hyper scheduled athlete before it existed so you know i actually played you're right three the three sports especially through high school and then on two club teams so at any point in time, I might have two or three different, depending on when the seasons crossed. Back, by the way, when we had seasons, right. Now, right? When you only played soccer in this season, you only played softball in this season, and or it's not an all-around kind of thing. But when you have those, it literally might be like, I have a high school practice for this, and then I'm going over to the club practice for this. So yeah, it was, and then trying to be an overachieving, as you were as well, a uh, student, um, was definitely just one of those kind of things that that I think both of us led life with at the time. It didn't even, we went to different high schools because they built a new high school. So it's almost like between you and our brother between us was a different experience it and was. then the new high school definitely so like i knew some of the same teachers we moved high schools i knew from stories but didn't you even have some things in high school and this may not be fair i'm throwing this on you where it was just people had a hard time how to take you right so you had good <laughs> grades yeah you looked great um i think you were even on were you in prom court yeah, senior year. That was, and, a, that was an interesting experience. Yeah, and then all these <laughs> I didn't, sports. I didn't fit the mold, but you, well, you're right. I did, I, but I, you're so back in the what did we call it? archetypes, right? Remember when we grew up? Remember the Breakfast Club, 
right? So you go with the Breakfast Club and they have those art, the the jock, the you know. And I, I apologize if any of these are offensive because they're they're the terms aren't really used these days, rightfully so. The jock, the nerd, the you know, the burner, the the you know. If you look at that movie, that's what we grew up on. And mine, I guess, I crossed mo- um, some of them. And so I was I was a super very concerned. Uh, student wanted straight A's, wanted 4.0, and you know, then they do weighted classes, and that starts you know mess everything up, and then you know being feeling obligated many times. Uh, not it wasn't necessarily always a choice. I think sometimes I would have, I really wanted a break, but playing and being expected to play the sports that I did, and then getting involved in you know when you're a good athlete and a good don't cause many trouble or, you know, you get asked to do, you know, little committees at school. Maybe you're on a, you know, committee with some, there, there's a cool committee and I can't remember what it was called. I just remember I had this big, big binder, like a three inch binder that I had to bring then to school. So I'd go to basketball practice. Then I would go to this meeting, which had a, a few students that was representing and then teachers and then some administrators. I don't even remember what we talked about, but I would have that in I got done and it was probably didn't get home till eight eight thirty and I haven't eaten dinner and I haven't finished my homework so yeah that kind of a deal <laughs> but kind of crossed those groups over and over and I never really found um, a home per se like I didn't have a singular group of friends now that might serve you in some places but I will tell you there is a our, my high my high school class just had their their a high school reunion and I remember. Um, back when we took, you know, you'd stick them in the gym, you'd take your high school photo. Um, being there, and and I was, it wasn't hard for me to walk through the halls and people to be friendly, but I didn't really have a group. Um, and I remember, like in that photo, when people like get, you're figuring out, like who who am I going to be with in this photo that we think is going to last for all time? Kind of did, and I had nobody. Like I remember feeling very, it was fine, but I felt very lonely at that point. Like I don't. My group was whoever I was playing with. My group was whoever I was in classes with at that point in time. So it was interesting uh, experience for me. I, I had something very similar. Didn't feel like I really fit in. Do you think there was a difference in that challenge for women, girls? Do I say girls back in our teens years? Uh, back then, to not to be breaking those stereotypes or those molds, or how do they fit in, or how do other guys or people take you yeah for sure like i think it would be um so for example uh when i think things are like i actually envy our daughters like going to school it's a much more i don't know about yours but for for mine my my oldest daughter it's a very laid-back experience you know hair in a ponytail Mm. we're not worrying so much about makeup anymore the 80s decade was tough on us all <laughs> it was a lot of time spent on makeup and hair um but you know going in you know leggings and she's just you know it's very cool like very laid-back experience but for uh, my experience it was you know you might be going in that way looking very a certain way and then you know 20 minutes later after you go change in the locker room you look very different and definitely by the end of practice you're you're a mess right you're 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 so I didn't always fit the part and so I think that sometimes too the very guys uh especially you know I had a more probably male friends that I had female friends I had female friends um definitely on the athletic side because they were mostly athletes but um 
a lot of my friends were male and just by the sheer the proximity factor right and so you're there and basketballs both you know so they're practicing we're practicing or even if you're not like soccer and softball would play opposite for males and females in the season but you're still going in and you're still going into the same athletic building they're on the right with the locker rooms we're on the other side with the locker rooms and you know you're still coming out and you're kind of in that same space so it wouldn't be unusual for me to come in school maybe dressed a little nicer and get that oh cease and then you know later i'm in sweats and my hair is back and i look like a hot mess because i just sweated for two hours right so <laughs> it was definitely a different different thing to do what's interesting for me we're going back decades right but even just a couple years ago pre-covid that'll give you some time coaching yeah. my daughter's team we combined practices with another team. We did. We had a power team, I might add. Well, and I'm not even talking about we did have a power team, which uh, we know one person in particular who loved that team. Very stressed out and he a really lot of veins. He yeah. really did. Um, but what I, what I was going back to say is there were a couple times, so I told them, look, I don't have the time to run the practices, but I will be there. I will you know, keep the girls in line. We'll make sure they're doing what they should be doing. So sometimes if I was running late from work, I'm literally coming to practice for sure. this. And, and this even goes back, that was club soccer, going back to CYC when I would have to do that sometimes. And even some of the parents, but especially the kids would look at me. Oh yeah. And they're like, I hear the voice. I know that's Coach K's voice, but I see this, it doesn't compute. No, you're right. In fact, I can remember one in particular, you may not remember it. So we were helping our, the brother between us, coaching his team before you and I had kids. In fact, though, I was pregnant and which meant you were probably also, I was just like five months ahead of you. And I was um, definitely more than showing, you know, I had a pretty good end, but you had come from work. So here I am, I was dressed, you know, and it sweats and stuff like that, but I have this, you know, the belly. And I remember trying to go for the ball once and then realizing like this, this, this person inside of me is, you know, really weighing me down. <laughs> and then you show up and you were in like a suit and, you know, heels and stepping on. And it was this funny thing where, which, hopefully is more of the norm nowadays but back then it was not to see women one coaching with this other one woman is pretty largely pregnant um you wonder what is she doing out there and then the other one is like dressed to the nines being you know you doing what you do for your your uh, your accounting and it, it must have been the oddest thing for the kids and maybe even some parents to see that <laughs> Definitely some parents too. And and one story really sits to me, which I'd be interested to see if you came across this at all. Actually, maybe two stories. But one, we'll start here. We're coaching, it's break time, their girls are gonna go get a drink. And again, club soccer, the other two coaches are male. So <clears throat> when I'm in my soccer mode, you know, spinning on the field, whatever it might be, <laughs> hair and a ponytail, you know, all this. Mom used to get so mad when we did that. <laughs> So I, they're going and I just happen to like, you know, just spit on the field. It was hot, whatever. And one of the girls looks at me and just kind of. Yeah, gives you that, what you And it didn't, it took me probably five seconds to say, oh, wait a minute. I said, come here, come here. And so we talked, I said, let me ask you a question. So, okay. I said, you kind of gave me an odd look. If I were one of the male coaches doing that, would you have looked at me that way? She said, no. Right. And I said, you know, well, girls and boys, <laughs> girls and guys, whatever, we can do the same thing. I said, look, when I'm on the soccer field, I behave a certain way when I'm 
in work and I'm like you've seen me in my suits I wouldn't be spitting in my office or <laughs> I won't be spitting on this podcast but it, I found it, it 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 I was so used to brushing that aside and letting it go so I had to pull myself back and say wait a minute address this but it's still going That's interesting on I don't think you today. told me that story before it did I don't she, know how did I she finally but... get it in the end? Oh, did she, she did. Yeah, huh. definitely. Because she said, no, I wouldn't have thought twice if it was one of the male coaches. Yeah, you it. see it all the time. You see and you see it at home too. But but to your point, we do, we, you know, but even kids too, they've done a different role when they're at school, right? That old adage they come home and they start to act like, you know, a little crazy. It's like, oh my God. Like not they, our they, children. not our children, but they had to like hold it in and then they're a different person at home and then they're a little different with their friends. I think all of us Don, you know put on those masks or different egos but yeah for sure when you're in athlete mode and you're just sweating and you're whatever and you need to drink a water or your nose is running or whatever whatever that all the gross things that that no matter who you are you're you're gonna act like that and but funny that you I didn't know you had that experience that's interesting thinking back to that high school Jen Jennifer thinking <laughs> yeah. back to that picture and I remember that picture like they get you up on the risers or the yep. bleachers or whatever and it was just this huge like very panoramic picture yeah and I felt the same way I don't fit in who would I even stand by if you could go back to that Jennifer and tell her anything what would you say oh man that's a great question. Because I'm sure you're, I'm sure there, even though we've progressed a lot, right? I'm sure there's a lot of girls either at that age going through something similar earlier, younger, but also women in different phases of their life trying to fit in. What would you tell her? You know, honestly, because I, I have, and I, I don't have it figured out, I still feel like her many, many times. Um, and I would, I would go back and tell her like, I don't, I don't think you have to pick. Like, I think I was perfectly fine exactly where I was and just to own the space that I was in. Because honestly, I could have gone, I can think, when I think back to that picture, because it's still like laminated, you know, it's like rolled up somewhere in my basement. But if I roll that out and take a look at it, um, there isn't, I really can't look at a group. I could, I even recognize, oh, I remember that group hanging out together and that group hanging out. There's not a group I probably couldn't have gone to and been welcomed in, or at least tolerated at the worst right but but like hey cease whatever um but i would have told her like i i think and i'm still working on it like you're good right where you are like you're you know be just be where you are and be your own group and one day those people will come find you like you don't have to be looking for a group to go fit in with you can fit in with anybody, and what you really need to work on is uh, fitting in with yourself. <laughs> Still a work in progress. I think those multiple stages there with what you said, right? Figure out who you are, <laughs> and then figure out how to be comfortable in that, own it, be confident. Yeah. And then at that point with confidence, don't you think those people, what you exude out there of who you are and confidence, you then attract those people to you. Correct. Unintentionally. Yeah. And, and like just be perfectly comfortable in owning that space. Like take out that space that you are in, own all that. You're good. You're good right there where you are. And um, where you are is where you're supposed to be kind of a deal and, and own that and just be comfortable. And I think that if I can still look at the struggle, I still struggle with, I can't honestly blame it on anybody else. Like, oh, I don't feel a part. I don't feel, I didn't, I don't, I didn't feel a part of me. 
So to to be really comfortable with this is Jen or Jennifer Cease, you know, or Cease, which was when when by the way for for listeners, we grew up in the seventies. You probably wanted very many Jennifers. I was once on a team with six Jennifers. So there's only a Jen, Jenny, Jennifers. There are only three versions. So you go by your last name. So just be really comfortable owning that space and take it up big, right? Own that space big. I have uh, four kids and I especially look to the, probably all of them in a way, but definitely my youngest, my 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 third born as well, um, they own their space and they are unapologetic about it. And they there will come a time, um, and I see it happening a little bit, tiny bits, as one's a, she'll be a second grader and the other one is gonna be a seventh grader. And you start to see little pieces of social conditioning where they start to get aware, but God, you know, if you could be blissfully a bit unaware, blissfully just in the mode of you, and then I, I wish I could I could go back in time and take that picture and just stand there, probably doing the same thing, probably being the same thing, but feeling a whole lot better about it. I would change that. And I think maybe even back then there was this pressure to fit in. Oh, for sure. Versus, and I do this with our youngest quite a bit, looking back and not really into probably until this conversation, I say, you know what? Good for you, younger Cynthia, to say, I'm not going to change who I am to and it, to the extreme to fit in with yeah. any of these groups, which I think is hard for women to do, to yeah. not change who you are because you want to fit in. And that's a tough four years. And we're good at it. I think I honestly, when I when I look, I see I have, I have four, so I have two boys and two girls, and I see. And I hate talking gender stuff, like stereotyping and saying like, oh, one acts one way, because they're very different. Um, and they don't always fall along those lines. Like, you know, my most empathetic kid is a boy, honestly, and he's my oldest. Maybe that's birth order, I don't know. But when I look at them and their their journeys and see how they, they especially the younger two, unapologetically own their space, and they are very, I feel like, they're very in tune with who they are and they do not, there are definitely times like I'm my youngest coming back and like someone today told me I was bossy. Well, rather than, and she is by the way, um, and and she's very powerful and she's very assertive and she's, you know, seven who I feel like she thinks like she's 11, you know, she's very mature and I, I really try to, and I'm sure I've been unsuccessful at times, but temper the desire to fix her, the desire to pull her back and be like, well, you know, you know, you do need to, like, I don't want her to be less. And I think I spent most of my years growing up, and I mean, I'm approaching 50 and I'm, I work with a life coach that I'm still trying to find like who Jennifer sees and maybe there's a Jennifer Cease Gansner in there too after getting married, but who she really is. Because I think she, I mean, there were so many times I look back and I can see how much like my youngest two, I really was. When I say, where'd they get that from? Oh, that was me. That was me before I got, before I stopped being because society or our religion or whatever very much conditioned, I think, um, girls to be less than. Um, and to be polite and to think about the comfort of other people, um, to 
be hyper aware of everybody else in the room, which I'm not saying we should never do any of that, but I wouldn't do as much of it. I want her to be big. I want her to be loud. And yeah, when when she's like a little bit like a much (laughs) to not squash it, but she's going to have to learn in social environments that, you know, when you walk into a library, we are all naturally a little quieter, right? Because, and why would that be? Oh, there's some people studying, but I don't want her to feel bad for who she is. And I think I grew up feeling, nobody did it to me on purpose. It just was the sign of the times. Like I just felt, I was big, I was bold, I was loud, I was bossy. And then I became not all those things rather than, you know, maturing in those things and just becoming, you know, a more mature, bossy, leader-like person. And so I think definitely, what we I went to an eight-year elementary school, so whatever middle school years are for, for that and then high school years and even into college and then the whole journey into motherhood becomes very different with those kind of, you know, groups you're with, very much tempered too much, the, the, the normal humanness of me and I'm really trying to find her again. And honestly, a blessing is uh, the, the the four kids that drive me crazy are definitely a blessing because in each of them, I see parts of that and I see like, oh my gosh, it, that that in me died a while ago or she hid or she just stopped to make for the comfort of others. And I'm trying to try and see if I could do a better job with them than I did with myself. Yeah, I think all of that makes sense and when we talk about be yourself it all comes with that layer caveat of don't be jerk yeah <laughs> like if you're a jerk you need and, to figure something and out by the way but. if you're a jerk which we all can be go say you're sorry right like be like i'm sorry and then what'd you learn from that like like the world's not ending when you know when she comes off or you know even my my third born he's he's a big personality too um, he is blissfully ignorant of, and I mean, like I, I would love to be, I'd love to live like him. He's blissfully ignorant of all that is around him. He's just totally comfortable being himself uh, to the point where he's sometimes in denial of it's like, did you, you just did that? And he's like, no, what? No, I didn't. And I was like, it's a beautiful thing. So you, to be social creatures, we have to, you know, temper, like we have to become aware but man, I would love for them not to be as hyper aware and as on alert as I was, I think, so many years of my life, um, just, you know, relaxing into their environment. And then be, by the sheer cre- you know, fact that we're with a bunch of also flawed human beings, you're, you're going to mess up sometimes or you're not going to mess up, but somebody's going to think that you did. And to just like own that and, and make amends where you need to make amends and move on. I was listening to this book on my run this morning. I think it's like The Brave Art of Motherhood. And she was talking about how when she was younger, and I'm guessing she has to be around our age older, so gives you the timing of being young. Be a good girl. Oh, yeah. Just be a good girl. Oh, yeah. And that, And I me, have said that, and I've had to change it. I've had to change it. Right. Yeah. And that's that mindset of don't make a mistake, be hyper aware of others, put others first before you just sit quiet in this, you know, almost uh, in a tiny space, take up a tiny space yeah. and be good. Yeah. It was much more um, uh, acceptable. I mean, it was not desired, I'm sure, but like in a growing up, especially like in elementary school, right? So you're third, fourth, fifth grade when kids can't do anything but wiggle around and we keep them in desks forever and we all know that that's hard they're not good for kids anyway but 
at the time, I remember the, I feel like the, the collective mindset of everybody was that, eh, well, you know, the boys are just not going to be able to really do that. I mean, oh, they tried, but like uh, the, the, the powers that be tried to make that happen. But if you were one of those antsy girls, um, you were really looked at a lot differently, like, oh, you know, you can't sit still, still quietly. It was much more of a taboo thing to be than I think, at least that I felt a little jealous of the boys being like, how come, you know, I'm to make up a name, Brian, um, could can sit there and wiggle around and you know move around in his desk all the time and he just gets reminders. But if one of the girls does it, it's like, whoa, what are you doing? And it was just like, I, I remember, I remember, can't tell you the grade, but it was very young. We were on the first floor of the school we went to. So I know it was like either grades one through three for me being in there and just being like, okay, just keep sitting really still. Like just, and don't, don't talk to your neighbor. I was apparently a little talky in first grade. I got a C in conduct. Who gives a first grader a C in conduct? You know what? I don't think what? I even knew that. So now that I know I that, it. I okay, can't. You can't stop it. Like you can't use it. No, I, otherwise I got A's. But like who gets a C in first grade gets a C. First of all, those grades are dumb. But secondly, a C in conduct and it's still, I know because it was orange. It was like on that orange uh, uh, construction paper where they get, and it was C and she too friendly with her neighbors. Why is that a bad thing? Like, like, why is that a bad thing? I was excited to go to school. I was happy to go to school. I loved school. I thought it was awesome. And I remember liking it less after getting the, you know, getting this card. I was, you know, and I, I could read really well. I, I, our parents drilled us in math. Like I could do all the things. I had a good time out at recess, was awesome. And I remember it, I just remember going through that with mom and dad. And, you know, I didn't get like in massive trouble or anything, but like the disappointment on their faces was enough to kind of like, I knew that like changes were needed. And, and and a first grader shouldn't think like that. You know, I would go back and be like, no, Mrs. Whoever, and I actually remember her name, and I'm going to say it, it is wrong, and you're fine. And, you know, yeah, you're going to have to give a first grader a few reminders that we're working now, right? Like, hello, everybody, eyes on me. Um, you know, catch a bubble. I think that's what my kids grow up with, catch a bubble, and others, and it's okay, but like, don't feel bad about it. They're supposed to be like that. I was I was working as designed, right? A I was a first grader who was working as designed, who was excited to be at school with a bunch of people, and and I remember there were there were hard changes. I think I deepened my operating system. I had to make because I did not want that C again. I did not want that look on people's faces. I wanted to be a good girl. And I kind of wish I was a little bit less of that growing up. So so high school, you graduate, as we talked about, no more C's. We knocked no. that out of your system. No, in fact, this this dummy, and I'm pointing to, to me, um, you know, decided <laughs> decided in around about fourth grade that B's were stupid. I liked A's, and I'm never going to get a B again. And I didn't. And and I actually think that was a bad idea. Um to the point when you have a se the seventh grade teacher, I don't know if she was still a seventh grade teacher when you came through, but she was the teacher that everybody was like, everybody very much respected, but we little feared her, right? I think you know who I'm talking about. And um, I remember I when you get your classes, you know who you're going to, I'm like, oh my God, I have Mrs. So-and-so. 
okay. And I remember being, I knew she was really tough with math in particular. She was just really tough in general. And um, I I feel like I, she, she figured me out pretty quickly. Um, I was, I thought I was her dream student. I mean, how could you get any better than that? I mean, I was athlete. I was good grades. I sat quietly. I didn't cause any trouble. I didn't even like in lunch or recess. I didn't have any drama with, with anybody else, any groups, boys or girls. And I remember her calling me up to her desk at one point in time. Do you remember the times when like everybody would be working in the classroom, but then sh- the teachers would like call you up to like either go over your paper or something, which is kind of funny because it's, it was treated like a private conversation, but everybody <laughs> could hear you. Uh, so, and she, I remember her like pulling me closer actually to her and saying, I'm very concerned about you. And immediately I go on like alert. Like if the hair could stand up on my arms, it did. Thinking, what did I just do? Like this, what? I never get in trouble. Like what? what? I got in trouble at home, but I didn't get in trouble at school. Um, but she was like, she said, I'm very concerned that you're you're not being very healthy. I remember saying that because I'm thinking, I feel fine. <laughs> I'm seventh grade. I'm like, I feel fine. And she's like, I, and it's the first time I've never heard the word ulcer before. And she's like, you're going to give, remember the time that everybody would say, you're going to give yourself an ulcer was the saying of mm-hmm. somebody who's stressed out too much. And so she's like, you're going to give yourself an ulcer. Because I was so, they go through it with her ruler, with the grade, remember the grade books? Yes. They'd go through the ruler, but they would hide. You can't see everybody else's grade, but you can see your grade. And she'd go through it. It looked excellent to me. It was like 97 or above, baby. I wasn't like 95. No, thank you. It was like 97 or above. And even then I'm thinking I can get that 97 up to a 98 or whatever. But that's what she was talking about. And it flashed forward to, so she was concerned about me. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I remember thinking like, that's really weird. Like I've never had somebody be concerned about being an achiever. And then flash forward to high school, probably roundabouts. I think it was my junior year. Um, I got mono. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell you, like, I know everybody teases. It's the kissing thing. It wasn't from that. I didn't I, I, I wish, <laughs> but that would have been awesome, but I did not. So I, who knows how you pick that up. But I can tell you that I had a weakened immune system because I burned, I didn't just burn the candle at both ends. I burned the candle at any possible end you could from playing the sports, saying yes to things I didn't want to say yes to, to having a tournament that I was not well enough to plan for. It was like a basketball tournament. We weren't going to win that. There was no, my team didn't need me. My coach said that we needed me. And I was so sick and my my throat was so swollen, I could barely talk. And I played the whole tournament. Wound up in the emergency room with mono, which I think affected me for a much longer after that. But fast forward to coming back in like a two-week period, I'd lost 15 pounds, couldn't shoot the ball from a free throw line. Like I couldn't, it got halfway up there. I had no strength. And the the human anatomy and physiology teacher, I remember um, he was a cross country coach and there was a test that that we were taking. I'm, I'm not going to take that test. I've been out. And he made me take the test. And I was like, he's like, you're fine. You know the material. And I was like, um, I haven't, I haven't really, I mean, I looked at some stuff, but I haven't really, he's like, you, you know the material, you'll be fine. I want you to take this test. Oh, I was mad. I was so, I loved him, by the way, but I was mad and he knew it too. And he made me take the test and I got a B, like a high B, like a high B, but a B on the test. And it didn't affect, I got an A still in the grade. 
I was like, there was like a week's time where I did not raise my hand in class because I was mad. <laughs> He's like still mad at me. I'm like, I didn't, I, I needed time. He's like, you didn't. He was, I think if I look back, there was a lesson he wanted me to learn. Like I was fine and the B was fine. And I still didn't learn that lesson, by the way, because fast forward then to college, uh, public relations oh, um, yeah. class. And by the time we got to the final, uh, the, the, you know, the final exam, I did not need to take it because I had done any extra credit work we could do. I was, I had an A without the final. And I remember in the classroom, he's like, and you know, Jennifer Cease, you, you don't need to show up. And I was like, excuse me? He's like, you have an A. And like, I was in the class. I don't know what, they have any bunch of football players in the class. They're like, oh, Cease, could I have part of her grade? And I was like, I went and studied for that final. And I showed up, when I showed up, I almost said his name, Professor so and so said, "Why are you here?" I look. He showed me. He's like, he might, "You have an A." I'm like, "But if I don't take the test, what will I get on the test?" He's like, "Well, an F because you don't you, zero points." I could not tolerate that. So, oh man, I got so much trouble from the everybody in the classroom. Rightfully so. I deserved every bit of trouble I got. But I did, like, I didn't totally study. Like, I half studied for me, which was probably full study for right. some people. And I I don't even know what I got on it. But I, I, I was kind of shamed out of the room. Like, because during the test, people were talking like, why are you taking this? <laughs> like, they all shamed me. And so I ended up leaving and then just, you know, I think the professor is going to be like beaming with pride, right? He's supposed to be beaming, but he was just like shaking his head. Like he was, he was teasing me, but this shaking, like, what are you doing? And I was achieving, like I was achieving for achievement's sake. And that was not a smart thing to do. Still didn't learn my lesson. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think you have. I think that's where you and I might be a little bit different, but I'll go back because I'll just say her name uh mrs wilson yes she was kathy wilson was our seventh grade teacher i had her seventh grade too. legend she's legend oh my gosh and i'm sure there's people who she just she worked for me like oh i I loved her yes and and some people may not have i don't know but for me she was the right teacher at the right time who knew how to push me i went from great grades fine grades in sixth grade but seventh grade then all of a sudden i was the top of the class like the absolute i didn't know that I yeah. didn't know that. That was Miss. She did that, huh? And like, so why were, though? Why for you? Like, I don't know. I just, I think there was was this certain amount of. For some reason, I wanted to impress her, huh? And I wanted her approval, and and I don't know. Maybe it was her belief in me, that then pushed me to say, okay, now we're going to put the extra effort in, and I am going to be that. So back then, I don't know what it's like now. So uh, framing this for everybody out there, we went to Catholic grade school, so uniforms, oh, you yeah. know, white shirts, plaid <laughs> skirts, uh, everything tucked in, dot, oh, dot, 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 dot. You know, again, kind of frames where we were at, you know, seventh grade, almost eighth grade, not quite there, but we we're still kind of top dogs. So fast forward to college, because we've covered a little bit in a lot of detail college uh go to lindenwood we're from fun you go to lindenwood not that far away playing soccer there and you double major so psychology and mass communication 
anything else from from college life you remember other than maybe you should have learned to relax a little bit more well yeah and, and again like thank you for the people in my life who totally gave me trouble for not like it was not unusual i was always um really tired so i grew I, from the moment I, maybe not grade school i don't remember so much but definitely high school now some of that for high school is because I did go to school out in Eureka, so I did go to different, so there's like a 40, by the time you pick up everybody on your bus in Fenton and then drive out there, I mean, you're on the bus for 45 minutes to an hour, If and 44 was always under construction. So, and then if you played a sport afterwards and had to catch the activity bus, I'm not getting home till like seven o'clock at night. Um, I had a really weird sleep schedule. I'd be so tired that my brain couldn't study. So I'd maybe grab something to eat, fall asleep. <laughs> it was really weird. Get up after an hour, take a shower, because gross, and then try to study for like an hour, fall back asleep. I would often do my sleeping or my studying in high school at like four o'clock in the morning. You know, our dad would get up really early to right. go to work. So it was kind of a, a natural, it wasn't that hard to get up. Then I got to college and you know college life is very different college nightlife is very different so i flipped more to a you know late studier late riser when you get smart about when to pick your classes don't pick an 8 a.m chemistry class to start your freshman year i never made that mistake again that was dumb um and i was playing soccer i was tired all the time and even in grad school i got teased about it like people would constantly say see you're going to sleep your life away it, and then I would feel guilty about it. <laughs> Guilt is, is a is a creature I grew up with, but I I was just so tired. And then I look back and well, of course you are. You're in the middle of your season. Linden uh, women, and I think they still are. Were highly successful. Uh, we were went to national tournament all four years I was there. Um, I played a lot and or was a starter. And so and then I was achieving. I had one major. I did mass com because I didn't know what else to pick sounded fun and then later also got into psychology decided and of course they were like you can double major i was like excuse me uh sign me up you know i'm not gonna minor i'm gonna double major and um that's what i should do right if there's an achievement to be had i will get that and then i was always trying to work for scholarships and 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 some of that was also professor led so the my advisor i think was was glenn just like yours and um you know, he would just say, hey, here's a way to get some free money if you want. And there'd be an essay involved or get some teacher recommendations. So I, I was just constantly uh, grinding. And I think when you grind that much, the body, mine anyway, would just be like, you're tired. You're tired. So I would get teased because maybe if they could get me out of the dorm to go to a party, I would go. But then I would be like, and I'm done. And they're like, seriously? Or what my my in my senior year i had a pretty close friend group uh by then i would say my senior year is probably my of college was when i really kind of found people that got me that's not i had group like with the soccer team i had friends but they were also soccer girls and but we we were we were together a lot so it was like my first time and they would call they would knock on my door <laughs> and i was laying down i'm not getting up and i'm just like and I would have a fan on, I need white noise, I'm a light sleeper. Then they would go across the hallway into one of the other, and they would call me. And then they'd leave them on a machine with a little cassette tape, remember those? Yes. And it would be like, Cease, we know you're in there trying to sleep, come out. <laughs> I'd be so mad, I'd pick up the phone and be like, you just ruined my nap. 
<laughs> so tired. But it, and then I even got in grad school and the grad students would be like, hey, in Denver, right? You're in a great state for, especially weather-wise to like, it's very much an outdoorsy go out. And I would just spend a lot of my time, I think, catching up on sleeping from a very hyper-vigilant uh, nervous system, constantly on fire for the next fire to put out or the next thing to go get. I don't think that I've, <laughs> I learned to be, I think I'm still learning it sometimes. I'm still learning it. Oh, and by the way, you don't rest without guilt. That was kind of the way we grew up. You don't rest to just rest. You know, you rest if you're really tired or you worked hard for you're enough or you're sick, which I was a lot, if that makes any sense. So <clears throat> let me ask you, Sound you said if there was an achievement to be had, I would have it. <laughs> why do you think that is? Who were you, were you trying to impress somebody and who and why? Um, if I had to like, mm, because it started young. Um, and it de so think about how, and I don't know how it was when you went through school. I mean, you're only four years younger. So we were, we did cross years there, but like, it was interesting you and I growing up because we were close enough to argue, right? You're close enough <laughs> to do that. You're close enough, but far, far enough to like, we didn't play soccer together until we were women. And then we didn't play on the same teams there. It was four years was just a little bit too big of a gap. Even when we were both at at St. Paul, by the time you were in first grade, I'm up already on the top floor. So like, and remember, for the lower floor is for the little kids, the top floor is for the big kids. So we're always like a little segregated in, in that. Um, but if I look back on, it was kind of a collective thing. Parents were definitely um, a driver, um, very much so. This was also the era where some parents paid their kids for A's. Do you remember that? Yes. They were being jealous. I was like, what? I'm like, I could be making bank right now <laughs> trying to get mom and dad to pay me. And they're like, no, we expect A's. I'm like, what? So-and-so got one A and he got like 10 bucks because he never gets an A. Um, so I, some of it was that. But think about the very definition of, of scarcity mindset or fixed mindset. We grew up in a very fixed or scarcity mindset era. At least we're here, we're there. And when it was time for report cards to come out, I remember we went to church every day. <laughs> I don't know what your kids do now, but when they, they, they don't go every day, okay? They don't even go every week, I yeah. think. We went Monday through Friday, sleep, rain, slow, and then one, snow once on the weekends. Oh, okay, that's a different conversation, but that's a lot of church. We started every morning with that at, at school. And so from first grade through eighth grade. And, you know, largely it was the same thing unless there was a, some special celebration or, you know, some team won ribbons or tr ribbons at the speech meet. You know, mm -hmm. we would bring those up. Um, but you would get grades read out. Think about it. I grades were not private as they should be. <laughs> so when you were, if I remember correctly, you correct me if I'm wrong, first through fourth grade, or at least first through third, all it was was who's on honor row. Yeah. Or who's on honor roll? Roll. Honor roll? Honor roll. So, and I remember that being, because I remember the first time it happened in first grade, it was in the old church, before the new mm. church was built, and realizing, oh, you get your name read if you are good. 
If you got less than whatever, maybe B's got read to, I have no idea, whatever. If you were not on honor roll, oh, those are the bad kids, right? Those are the bad kids. So before there were GPAs and then whatever grade we started with GPAs, which was a 12.0 scale, by the way, and that's a really hard scale, everybody, because they count for A's, A minuses, and A pluses. (laughs) So part of me, I feel like it's not my fault. We're a creature. We're creatures of what we grew up with. Because I tease now, it's like an A is an A, and not back then, an A plus had a certain percentage, an A A had a certain, A minus had a certain percentage, and that would affect. Like the, the goal was to get twelve point and or as close as you can to that, and you know to, to I don't remember how many times if they came out four times or two times I don't remember, but at, at least two times a year, you church would be done, we would say our may amen, and everybody would sit back down. And father would go up and start to read everything. And he would start with the first graders. We'd get we'd get on a row done, you know, and then we'd finally get up to eighth grade, you know, whichever. So whichever grade you were in, the first name that God read for your grade had the highest GPA. So I for a while there was a girl and and she, she had first. It was always, and, and by the way, it was usually girl led. Mm-hmm. And it was um think Maggie was her name and I'll just say Maggie and so it would be Maggie be first and I'd be like second or third and I was like oh and so finally at some point it was me and once it became me it was very rarely ever not me and it was like once I had it it was almost kind of a curse like once I got it it was the curse that you can't let it go and so that was the whole thing by the time I got to eighth grade and we remember we dressed up you dressed up in like fancy dresses to graduate going to do the final reading of the of of honor or GPAs. I was first and I had a 12.0. That's a little psychotic. That means that you got a 98 or above in everything you did. That's crazy. But I stood up and nobody's supposed to but the whole place erupts in in clapping. Father was not happy cuz he said everybody should hold their applause to the end. And so I'm standing there in this big old dress, right? Like like, like hoop skirts, remember? We, yeah. Whatever was in style back then. And, you know, mom and dad are beaming with pride. Teachers are beaming with pride. Some students were not, which was good. Like, you could hate on me for that. Like, yeah, sorry, sorry, you suck. I'm all, yeah. Like, I beat you out, Maggie, or whoever, <laughs> Billy, or whoever. Um, and... I look on that, and so it was somewhat societal, somewhat the way we grew up, a very long answer to your question, and I think I became very addicted to that, very addicted. So when I go into high school, I mean, talk about a place to start a clean slate. I could have been anything, but I chose to be, well, I'm going to get, I mean, we're not reading an honor roll, thank God, anymore, but I'm still going to be one of the top, and I just continued it on. So it what I think was very much external validation quickly got internalized. And then, you know, yeah, for sure. Like I I wanted to get good grades to impress other people. There's no lying. But even when I was given permission to get less, I would not allow it. So I internalized that. And, and you know, we always talk about even in mindset theory, like we, I talk with the kids about where are you getting your validation from? Do you have enough also internally and internal motivation? But that was a bit much, you know, where you don't need to, there was some bar I raised within myself that I I had to keep myself meeting. And I would, 
I'd burn everything down to do it, including me. So a lot of the new found information is that A students, while great in achievement, struggle potentially outside of school without that syllabus of how to excel. And that often C students take over the world or progress yeah. higher. So thinking about that excellence validation, how did that in high school, college prepare you or how did it play out in your career? Yeah, it, it was, that's actually, well, true story, because I remember at the time, there it, when I was at Lennon, when my senior year, there was this big, um, every, all, the class selected the, the class speaker. And so my name, of course, was on the ballot as being an athlete and whatever, and so were a couple other names. And one girl, and she was a really nice person, got teased a lot because she was like, I think she was on her third major at the time. And I remember thinking, like, I don't want to do that. But the, the running joke at the time was, you know, you're you're an excel at school, but can you excel at anything else? But I remember having a deep seated fear that that was potentially me too. That you know, I was like, oh yeah, not me. But I thought that that was was also maybe me. So it comes into play a little bit later. Um, but at the time at Lindenwood, I had won, um, went for, of course, it's another scholarship, and it had some money. It was actually a paid internship at our local station called KMOX Radio. They're the flagship for the Cardinals, the Blues. If it's sports, it's on KMOX. And when we grew up in the house, you might remember, that's all dad listened to. Mom too, to an extent. I timed my mornings getting ready by what was on, I knew. Like if it got to this particular report, I was gonna be late for the bus, get done with your hair. And I, I went for this because it was prestigious, of course. I think part of me went for it because mom and dad would be proud. And I won, and I got a scholarship. Uh, it was a paid internship at the radio station for a summer. And I got to move around the station, work in different parts of it, mostly worked with one particular thing, realized really quick, like, I'm not going to do sales. I don't like that. <laughs> um, traffic and continuity, eh. Um, marketing, wasn't, I wasn't really sure what it was. And I'm not going to be a news girl. I got into production. So running the show from the other side of the glass, not on this microphone, right? I'd be across the glass and... They gave me a job out of that, like a part-time job. I mean, how cool is that? I'm at I'm at Lindenwood, my junior and, and senior year. And when people are you saying, hey, I've got to go do my shift at whatever store or like a restaurant, or you know, I'm like, hey, I gotta go drive downtown and produce Jack Buck or Bob Costas or so like how how cool I felt very cool. And so, and I really did like doing that. And then um I did that and then I graduated. I I look back on that now and I I wonder if the person who knew she was a really good student didn't want to go ahead and just I could have taken probably any job there could have worked so through something who knows what would have happened but I was too afraid to do it my boyfriend was doing it at the time and he became very successful I just figured the natural next step for me is to get another degree well, I'm not going to go get a degree in mass comm if you're not going to teach. So I went on the psychology route. And I remember at times wondering, like, is this really the move I should make? I wasn't that passionate about industrial organizational psychology. I was interested. I don't know if I was as interested as some of the students I then went to grad school with. Um, I learned a ton, but it was just like a natural progression. So once grad school got over, I, I remember being like, oh... Real world time now, unless I go get a PhD, and I really didn't want to do that. Like I really was done, but there, there was a piece of me that 
that feared, I think, real life. There was a there's a piece of that for sure with me. Well, um, didn't you yeah. have the opportunity to go to Chicago for a job? I did. I or got a stay job stay with the company, the the internship with the state of Colorado. Yeah. And you chose the state of Colorado. That's right. I, I had an, a job offer. I cannot remember the name of the company right now. Me and, and another guy from our class got all of us were interviewed at various different places. The The school did a very good job of setting up and getting kind of connected. And this place is in, in Chicago offered me a job. Chicago's from St. Louis is not very far. It would have been really ideal. And there was a piece of me that I think was not ready yet to face the real world. And I gave some lame excuse about, you know, there was also some simultaneous thing. The place that I had been interning with had a project that they needed a uh, an, a contractor to do. And I fit the role perfectly, but it was like a three-month deal, didn't know if it would be permanent. And it's so funny, for somebody who really wants assurance, I was willing to take that risk because it was what I knew and versus the risk of moving to Chicago, of finding, I don't know, an apartment there and like just being, I wasn't ready. Um, I mean, I was ready, but but inside I wasn't ready. This this extension into the state of Colorado and was was a kind of a natural extension of the degree, and I chose comfort for sure. It was a good opportunity. I had a great time. I lived in Grand Junction for two years, did a lot of cool things out there. Um, but if you really want to look at just career, the right career move would have been Chicago. If you just look at kind of like what's progressing, I'd be making a ton more money. Um, you know, who knows what would have happened? But yeah, like I, I shrunk from that out of fear because I might fail when I knew I would. I knew I would, you know, not knock it out of the park with the other one, um, which is kind of weird because also it was only a three month thing. It turned into longer, but I didn't know that at the time. It, it's funny because I was a risk taker in a way, not the risk taking I would prefer that I'm doing now, but I was a risk taker when I knew the ads and I knew I was good at, you know, I took a risk on it only being three months long and, and it turning into longer, but I wasn't willing to take that other risk. And so, yeah, for sure, that was pervasive with me. And it, uh, it, it, it had, it played out later in other other job choices, I think, as well, and the things I decided to do or didn't decide to do. Why'd you end up? You said you were in Colorado for a couple of years or a short stint. Why'd you leave and come back? Yeah, I was, I was in Colorado for two years for the grad school, moved out to Grand Junction. The three-month thing did turn into almost a two-year thing. Um, there wasn't much else for me to do there. Um, there, And I knew it. There wasn't going to be any growth in Grand Junction for me in the kinds of jobs I wanted. It was a very, it's a different town now. It was a very blue collar town and there just, there weren't any places for me to grow. And I was kind of done and I moved back home and they wanted me to stay so bad that they let me actually work from Missouri as a state of Colorado employee, which is kind of interesting. Um, and, you know, on the, they were sure that I would come back you're going to come back. And I didn't. And I found a job in St. Louis, kind of a little bit along the lines of my grad degree and started that and realized I hated it. Um, it ended up being something that I didn't think it was going to be. And I wind up calling KMOX radio again. Like I, w I had met somebody, we were going to get married. I literally load the job that I was in. Um, I had stayed my two years at the time. It was like, you got to stay in your job for two years to have resume continuity. <laughs> and I remember calling KMOX, my old 
program director was now the general manager. I called him up and I said, hey, Tom, um, I wanna, I'm going to do a couple of part-time things while I still figure out who I want to be when I grow up. And, you know, can I come on? He's like, yeah, come on over. And I met their new program director, who is my now boss. And he, was, he became my boss there. And they were digital, you know, and, and I had worked, I had grown on, I had done KMOX on cart, reel-to-reel, cassette tape, and they were digital now. So, you know, I had to go learn a new system. And I was one of the, one of the, I was the oldest um, part-time <laughs> Uh, producer there the other ones were in the what you usually have college i was out of college i was out of grad school um so i did that for two years and but once again producing behind the glass not on mic and you left there when you found a full-time job yeah so it kind of came to uh my husband and i got married and i was still kind of working and then when you're producing as a as in um a uh online producer um, I would fill in for the executive producer. So I'd like, I'd go be Chris for a week. I'd go be Peggy for a week. Um, you're constantly flipping shifts. You know, you might do an overnight shift. You might do an early morning shift. You might work 20 hours on a weekend. And I knew that that was not going to be sustainable if we were going to start a family. So I was looking for a real full job. As I accepted one as a project manager uh, for a company that became Staples, bought by Staples later, um, it was always this way with KMOX. They offered me, finally found a made up a position and, you know, money wise, it was close, but I'd already given my word. I was very bonded by that. So I turned down KMOX and I felt there's a piece of me that's like, should I have done that? Should I have just stayed? It would have been in marketing. I don't know if that's what I would have wanted to do, but it would have been ability to stay. Um, but I already said yes to this other job. So once again, I said goodbye to KMOX. It's a, KMOX is a theme. We'll get to that. I think <laughs> a big piece of your career, and a lot of women face this, again, going forward a couple of years, have a couple of kids, and the stress of being mom, career person, oh, yeah. having a husband who's career person, plus travels a lot for refereeing soccer. You came to the decision that I'm going to stay home Yeah, with my kids. How did you get there? Uh, reluctantly, <laughs> honestly. So after I had my first, um, some of that was the pull of being a new mother. I dropped down to a 32-hour schedule and, and was actually, I was hybrid before hybrid was a thing. Um, I was able to negotiate like three days at home, two days in the office. I worked 32 hours over five days. So I uh, was able to miss traffic, be home with them. And it was it was a, 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 I think also a, you know, a shout out to myself for being somebody that they wanted to keep and say, well, what do you need for us to keep you? And so that's what they needed to do. So I'd already dropped and then I had our second, it's maintained 32 hours with the two. And then though I had gone back to a 40 hour week job, um, I wanted more money, um, I deserve more money. And um, I had our third. And at that time, my husband was still very much into a traveling career. He traveled also to be a FIFA and Major League Soccer referee. And it I knew it was going to break my back. Um, I was already struggling with all of it. And the demands on mothers still to this day are much more so than they are on fathers when it comes to, doesn't matter what you're doing outside the home, the home demands are still very much mom-centered, and um, which I did not know. That would have been uh, a good a question to ask before deciding to become a mother. <laughs> That's a lot of work. And when I had my third born, um, that was a decide. So I did it for a year and I hated it. 
I was the worst kindergarten room mom because I think I thought I needed to do something. So I volunteered to be a room mom. Bad idea. Those kindergartners hated me. I can run a practice with 30 kids because I can make them run. <laughs> Play on a Valentine's Day party for a bunch of kindergartners. They they hated me. <laughs> so I was like, this is not for me, right? It just, it didn't fit me very well. Know your talent and your know skill your, yeah. and don't Stay try in to your do lane. something you're not. Stay in your lane, Jennifer. <laughs> so um, I then kind of like, clawed my way back in doing like project work so my husband was on a contract he needed somebody they the the contract agreed to pay me to do some work so i just kind of like slowly with another person you know, grabbed some work up so i just try to keep like this finger hold on the workplace by doing stuff and then we ran our own club our own soccer club which little did i know would become a full-time job um so yeah like i kind of did but i didn't in a way step back um when it comes to what it looks like on a resume, it, it might look like that, but you know, certainly wasn't when it came to workload. Do you regret anything over that time period? Or would you do, maybe a better way to put it is, would you do anything different or tell yourself anything differently? You know, I mean, honestly, I may not be where I am now with KMOX coming back, right? So I don't know if that I could say I regret it. Um, there were times in those times I regretted it for sure. You know, when I stepped back and, and then realized what I was losing, when I realized like the, the happy hours were gone or the networking or really becoming a bit isolated, uh, not having workplace people, right? Not being networked in that way um, and losing a lot of that. And then being in, in a community where you're picking up kids and you're seeing moms and, and moms are great, but just it wasn't a community that I would already been networked into. So I, I kind of was, I just felt really isolated. So again, I would, like high school, you felt like you didn't fit in. Yeah, I didn't fit in. And you had pieces of you pulling. I, yes, I am a career person, but I'm also a mom, but I'm also this. Yeah. And I think I struggled with all those and, and then not really knowing who I was. Um, so I guess I, you know, here, in hindsight, you can say, oh, I don't know if I could feel bad about it. But in the times I did, I felt horrible. I felt horrible when I stepped away from the workplace. I felt like a loser. <laughs> and and that's, that's uh, by the way, I don't want to be offensive to, to stay home parents because that is a massive job. It is underrated. It doesn't show up on a tax form. And it, it feel it's very, it, it is the most unappreciated job I've ever done. The hardest and most unappreciated job I have ever done. Yes, even when your sweet kids give you a, you know, jelly kiss on your face and it's beautiful and it activates some of the hormones, eh, I'm still like, you know, when the tax return comes around and, and mine's a big old goose egg on there, that feels horrible to me. Um, that's a society problem. But I, I definitely struggled with that part. And it's only been in, you know, thankful to the people who gave me jobs to do to stay relevant where I was like, oh, like I'm, I can do things. Like I can still do things. Um, I was editing some videos for somebody. I was doing some of the stuff that I'm now. It's funny that life leads you. Would have been nice to know at the time that hey, life is leading you. It's all gonna be good. Because I did not feel like it was gonna be good. Well, and that was obviously going into this, I knew that was gonna be a huge part of our conversation. So, you you still had your foothold somehow, some way little things maybe some bigger things of still working yeah and i agree with you uh whether you stay at home whether you work whether you're quasi of both or you're fluid throughout it's all hard there's a lot of unsung parts to that 
and it's finding what fits for you. But you then, you and some others help found a soccer club, and then you also found mine to define. Yeah. So that mental coaching that we talked about, which sounds like you were going through some mental struggles <laughs> stepping For away. Sure. So that's what made me think of we should go here next because it was a lot of mindset, whether it was internal or external societal, a lot of mindset challenges you were facing. Oh, so yeah. is that or was that part of what led you to mind to define? How did that come to into creation? Uh, so everybody has a COVID story, right? So it's it's literally we had we had moved to a new house. We and and I'm going through all there's all kinds of remember free stuff in COVID like online this workshop free three days and I would I would jump onto a bunch of these things. I think I paid for a couple of them, but like I think I did Tony Robbins one for three days and I did something else like a coaching masters thing and and started to think of like. One thing I knew I was pretty good at, whether whether you liked what I did, I, I was pretty good at coaching when, and especially connecting with kids. I knew I could connect and I'm, I'm a good teacher. I mean, I always like what I do, but I, I could connect and I always had a very close bond with anybody I coached. And so I remember it just kind of coming about of like, what could I do on like an online coaching thing? I, don't, I didn't want to coach soccer anymore and be running and, and doing that anymore, but like, how could I... I was trying to think of how can I mix with what I knew psychology and what I knew of the sports coaching. And it accidentally came up where it was a conversation that had happened with an old coach of my daughter's, a softball coach, who was frustrated and his, mo- and his wife was frustrated because their daughter could hit a country mile, but she wasn't hitting and she wasn't hitting in games. She's hitting in a cage, which was in games. And I remember seeing her play. And I was, I remember just being by her mom and I was like, well, I can tell you why she's not going to hit. I could see it in the way she approached the plate and hearing some of the things that she had said kind of quietly to herself or kind of thinking she was quiet or to her mom when her mom's trying to pump her up. She doesn't want to hear any of that. It's like, it's everything is in her talk, everything in this. And she's like, could you just talk to her? She doesn't want to hear from us. Of course, who, right? You can't coach your own kid. And I remember saying some stuff to her and it apparently resonated. I mean, she had to do the work. I mean, there's no magic switch to mindset. And it started to help. So they we started to work together and just like, can I work with her? And so I kind of used that as a test subject, so to speak, of and feel, trying to find out things that I already knew were deep inside. Where I struggled was the mental part. And sure enough, here she is. And when I look back to the coaching days that you and I did together, or even, there were mental moments that we didn't realize we were coaching, not a physical skill, it was a mental skill that we were coaching. And I do some research and find out that this is kind of a thing and that sports psychology is there. It just wasn't accessible degree when it was time for me to choose. It might have been on the coast. It was not in the Midwest. It was not a thing. And I didn't want to go get my degree. So I went out and got some coaching certificates and researched a bunch of that and then started to work with like one more, couple more people came along my way, put it out on Facebook. I didn't even have a website. Put it out on Facebook with a terrible looking flyer. And within a week's time, I had 10 athletes. It was crazy. It was like this... And I think COVID had some, I think COVID exacerbated, it didn't make the mental issues in the sports, but it exacerbated when kids were coming back. They weren't sure they were going to come back. Or could I make my team or can I, they've been so isolated, you know, and I think it just exacerbated some of those mental things. And so what parents already saw, what coaches already saw 
they just saw more of and then they didn't know what to do. And so I started working with about, it, and I realized quickly like, oh, this is probably a, a lot for one person to handle. And we just started working that way. And then a team came along and said, do you do teams? And I was like, yeah, that's probably a really good idea. You put the yes. message to everybody yes, on I the do. team. Yes, I do. And you know, was asked to speak to some referees uh, in Alabama who are trying to pass a fitness test. Lo and behold, it's not a fitness problem. It's a mental problem where they're getting to a certain number of laps and they can't finish. And we did a seminar and again, they have to do the work, but the six, all six of them passed, which apparently had never happened. So I was like, this is really a thing, <laughs> getting some validation. And it was my thing. Well, and I remember some of your posts and it was always stuck out to me. This isn't, it's for athletes, but this is for anybody in every aspect of their life, business, career, that yeah. mindset. Is. Performance is performance is performance, right? Mm -hmm. Like whether you're on a stage, you're in a boardroom, you're getting a job, an interview, that's a performance, you're taking a test, uh, you know, uh, acting, you know, anything, any sport, anytime you're performing, anytime you're going and your nervous system is going to raise its level appropriately is the times, you know, and then you have additional times of performance, like a game is a game but a tournament's a little different and a final's a little different. Or, you know, a penalty kick in soccer to say is a penalty kick, which is already stressful, but now you take kicks from the mark to close a game and that's a whole different stress level, right? And I was getting really intrigued with these different levels of performance and then seeing how you struggle with, with the mind and then what can you do? I always got really frustrated as a youth athlete of being constantly told, cease, get out of your head. I was like, that would be awesome. I don't know how to do that or be confident and it is one of the most every student uh or, or every athlete i work with will say put their hand up in the air is like who's who's been told to be confident gets really frustrated with that and they all they all put their hands up and i remember that and i but i did not know there it's not a magic switch but there are ways that you can choose to think things that you can choose to do that at least flip balance the scale tip the scale in such a way that that you will do potentially better up there so you mentioned Mind to Define came up accidentally. I'm going to do a quick recap of your history, and we're going to jump to this next thing. But first, you played soccer, many different levels, played all sports, many different levels growing up, successful, achieved a lot, played varsity, played all four years at Lindenwood. You double major in psychology. So you talked about Mind to Define mm -hmm. and performance, 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 psychology, and mass communication, which is radio, TV. And through that, you had an internship at KMOX. First time KMOX comes up in the circle beyond listening to it growing up. You go, you get your master's in organizational industrial psychology. Again, I think more mindset psychology. You come back to St. Louis, work for KMOX again. <laughs> you end up marrying a guy who's into soccer, soccer. and sports. <laughs> um, you have four kids, all had played soccer at some point. You start a club in St. Louis, which is difficult and challenging and you basically run the whole thing yeah, i mean kind of <laughs> all of the administrative work and things then you come back to KMOX again you leave there i'm probably missing things mind to define uh -huh. accidentally comes up but again i say soccer uh coaching it's funny, all that stuff. it's funny this way huh <laughs> so with the mind to define how does that transition into or does it 
into SDL City and where you're at today. So it's funny because you we bring up Camo X a couple of times. Like I just like a movie they just can't shake them, right? And and actually I still have like an old little key on from where they used to be in their old building. I never could bring myself to take this elevator key off. It's good because it doesn't work anymore. It's fine, um, but I could never bring. I could never quite shake them. Like even currently on my set of keys and they would um so so being in the business i got asked out of the blue um but actually your sister-in-law on the other side jill had a had a friend who was kind of doing a podcast she's like i think that with this mind to define thing could be here here you guys should meet and it i did my first podcast and did another podcast and then out of the, out of the blue i get a call from carol daniel who just recently retired from kmox and was like hey can you uh, on that that mindset stuff you do? Can you do like do a quick hit? And I was like, oh, you couldn't get an eight twenty a.m. guest, or I'll be here at twenty a.m. guest. That's by the way, some of those a.m. slots are hard to fill. And she was like, no, no, I've been I been wanting to talk about. It. I'm like, no, it's good. Like I still know the time slots for Total Information a.m. And I'm like, okay, so I do a, and I was a wreck. I woke up like an hour early. I think I even did my hair and then realized this is radio dummy. You're going to be on the phone. (laughs) You don't need to look nice. I'm going to see you. And, you know, she and and Megan asked me beautiful, like, they're fine. They're great questions. And I somehow gave, I guess, decent answers. And so since then, they had asked me on a couple of times, just occasionally the youth sports would come up or sports in general, or, and they would have me on there. And so I'm like a repeating guest on another podcast for athletic directors. Um, I've been on another friend of ours, uh, Jill Devine, who used to work in radio. So has a podcast used to work actually at Y98, where the St. Louis City Brits funny, I make me think of all these things tied together. And so Again, I'm still kind of doing this thing. I'm doing some podcasts, but mostly training. And I do some online training as well. I've, I've done groups and a webinar. And uh, the first city game, uh, they were in Austin. And I remember I was sitting at a local, the Village Bar, where people go. And sitting there and teasing. Oh, actually, I should say it, the month prior. So I back up early February. Steve, my boss, called my old boss, called me out of the blue and said, hey, an idea for you. I'm like, yeah, sure. What's up? He's like, I'm interested if you could work on this show. And I'm thinking, oh, God, I can't produce it. Like, I don't even know what they're using anymore. And he goes, no, 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 on the microphone. I'm like, no, no, I don't do that. <laughs> and he's like, but you do. He's like, you've done it. And I'm like, well, I was thinking back. And he's like, you you, you could do that. He goes, I need to try out one of the talent so that's going to up for the play by play. And I need somebody another voice. And I said, Oh, you need a girl voice, don't you? And he goes, Well, true. St. Louis City is all about diversity with being a women owned. He's like, I absolutely would like a female voice. He goes, but you know, the game, you know, broadcast, I just need you to go in there and have a good time and ask good questions. And he really wanted me to more pull out of the co host. His name is Nate, like, you know, see if you can pull some fun stuff out of him. All right, great. I do this two hour show. Once again, I dress up for an 8 to 10 p.m. show, which nobody's seeing. It's great. And I had a great time. And that was it for a month because City de- debuts on February 25th or something in Austin. Nothing. Zero. Like I'm talking radio silence. Cliche. Or pun intended. And we, I get, I'm at the Village Bar. I see Steve on TV because he's sitting with all the owners, right? It's City's debut. They're Broadcast is there with the owner group. They're in their place at the Austin Stadium. And I see him on his phone. And I, I texted him. And I'm like, hey, loser, <laughs> why are you on your phone? You're on camera right now. And he's like, no, really? 
he was listening to the radio broadcast. Ah. So the radio broadcast, he had to listen streaming on his phone because he's trying to hear how the radio broadcast is going while he's there representing the station and with ownership group that they had partnered with. I'm just having my burger and my beer. That's it. That's all I'm doing. That's a Saturday. City plays at home for their first game the following um, Saturday, which is like March 3rd or 4th, which, by the way, is Women's um, Women's History Month. Yeah, International Women's Day or something. Yep, yeah, International Women's Day and then kind of the month in general, which was a big, they were doing a big tie-in there to the group, being City being owned by a female majority group. And like on Monday, I get a text, a text that said, what do you think about doing some sideline reporting? And typical Steve. And so I, as soon, I start to text, no way. I remember sitting there with it and I just backspaced and I wrote, sure. I didn't even capitalize the S, which I normally, sure. Thinking, this is not going to go anywhere. It's fine. It's broadcast. Broadcast is very fickle. You're hot one day, you're not hot one day. I'm just going to, fine. Nothing's going to happen. It's a safe risk. It's at a this safe point. risk. It's one of those safe risks I take at some point because what could possibly happen? Silly. I don't even know what sideline reporting would look like in soccer. Soccer doesn't typically have it because it's full sport. It's very difficult to do. There's nowhere to stand, there's nothing to do. <laughs> so um, between Monday and Thursday or Friday, I get it grows from hey yeah you're gonna do like six hit like, you be a sideline reporter you're gonna do six hits they're like thirty seconds they're not they're like fifteen they're soccer's too flowy to to do long hits flows into hey uh, I would like you to host the pregame with Tom Ackerman who I love but he's a big deal here in St Louis trust him completely but I'm gonna host pregame what hey your first guest is going to be Don Garber the commissioner of MLS what and then oh and Ed, can you get there a little bit early i'm gonna have you pre-record an interview with somebody to play and i'm like this whole time it be, my insides are screaming don't what are you doing this is the exact thing you avoided years ago this is danger and every time i just had to say yeah okay sure like i sounded much more cool because in the background you know me i'm like what is happening this cannot what made you say sure i don't know I just, I, you know what? No, I do. I just don't think I could keep saying no anymore. I had spent a long time creating boundaries and saying no. I felt like it's time to say yes and be really uncomfortable in that way again. So you kept saying no to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Really. And so no to others, but no to yourself. Shutting yeah. yourself down from those Shutting myself down. I, that would, that's not what I would have believed, though. I would have told you I was creating boundaries because I didn't want to keep doing things I didn't want to do. Like, I don't want to run the club anymore. I never wanted to run a club in the first place. I was doing a lot of things for other people. So I just started telling no to everything, like everything. And I'd been doing that for a couple of years. And I had had some health issues, I had back surgery. So I really needed to focus on me. But I just felt like it was time to maybe t say a yes again. And also banking on the fact that it wouldn't turn into anything. So kind of a safe risk, like you said. And it only happened in a couple of days. Had this been two months, oh, two I weeks, said, three weeks no way. leading up? No, this is what the universe has, I think, decided, is that in order to get this chick to move, we're going to have to surprise her and she's going to have to be under a ton of pressure. And some of it was also to not let people down. I won't lie. That's still there. Like, I didn't want to let Steve down. Like, I didn't want to say, um, but it, it came up. And then sure enough, I figure out how to pre-record this interview. I figure out how to say words when it was time to say words. I remember thinking in my head, it's time to say words now. Um, and 
uh, say words. You know, the music's drifting off. Say words. And um, it has since even, it continues to grow in weird places. So it's grown from that to then being a permanent host of when they're in town, pregame, halftime, postgame. I still do the sideline sports desk hits. And then I attend all the practices. That's of my own volition. I don't get paid to do that. I I do that because I want to be present with the team. If I'm media, I want to be there. You know, I want to say hello to the players. And it's kind of morphed into one day I offered, I just thought, I see other media here doing some interviews with players. And I thought it scared the hell out of me, scared the heck out of me. But I thought, should I, like I'm here, should I be doing an interview? And Steve was like, yeah, go ahead, sure, try one. He's funny, Steve. He knows how to kind of like get me these very laid back. He's like, sure, give it a hit. So I do one. I'm like, hands are shaking the entire time. And since then, I've probably interviewed half the team. Um, and it became a, ex- I accidentally uh, made a piece that became part of the pregame. He's like, well, if you're going to be getting these interviews, we're going to put them in the pregame. Oh. And then I became kind of the halftime interviewer. And so sometimes even on the away broadcasts, I'll have a piece that's recorded for them to do. And then the Sunday show continues. So that that one time show at the beginning of February became more of a permanent thing. And uh, Nate and I host a show on usually every Sunday unless there's something else to do. So it's funny you talk about things that accidentally came up. And I wrote part of this. <laughs> it doesn't belong. <laughs> right. But when we look back at your life and I remind you of all these things, which I sent you a text, I'm like, you this did. didn't accidentally nice. happen. Look at all these things. But you said earlier, life is leading you. Life is, you know, look back 20 plus years, let alone three months, four months, however long you wouldn't think you're here. But life, to some extent, is whispering and leading you. And maybe it just took you 40 something years for life to figure out how to get that chick to do something. Yeah, to move her. Um, I think it probably, you, you could argue that could have been led in other ways, like that move to Chicago probably could have been a really good thing. I wasn't listening and I was very resistant. It was very hard to get me to move. And I don't know, maybe that's wisdom. Maybe it's time. Maybe that's another enough things that happen with kids and, and things that you realize that the world's not going to end if you look stupid, right? The world's, I still hate it, by the way. I don't like stumbling over my words, but the world does not end. And by the way, nobody really remembers or pays a whole lot of attention. You're not as big of a deal as you think you are. And I mean that in a, in a, in, in, and not an arrogant way. I don't think I was ever arrogant about it, but I think I definitely was one of those people where you have to go, you're you're really the main character only in your own story. Everybody else has got their own stuff going on. And I think it's only been at almost 50 years old that I've been willing to listen to that message. So we talked about with, with SDL City, some of that, like, had you known early enough? No, I would have no. Mm, yeah you kind of skipped over the fact that i believe it's two games now you've done play by play no color 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 color. yeah yeah um yes so it was uh another thing that kind of came up (laughs) i see it came out out of the blue because i was not expecting it and i usually pride myself because i'm a hyper vigilant seeing something coming which so it out of the blue uh, the city representative actually called me, and normally I don't. I'm I'm a contractor. I'm not. Nobody owns me, <laughs> so I. But I would largely say I'm more allied with the broadcast side. But the city person called me, and she said, "Who I had no idea was a fan. Like I, I, seen her in the booth. We say hello, and she's like, you know, hey, Dale's going to be out. We need a color person. We all talked, which was like, and we I don't know who all is, but we've all talked, and we think that you would do a great job. Would you like to travel to Chicago with the team? 
And again, all alerts went up like, no, 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 because I'm not Dale. I'm not as qualified. And I, I know all the reasons. You know, he's Godfather Soccer, by the way. He's the best guy ever. And and I just went, sure, that would be great. I'm so honored. Thank you so much. And like, I remember after I hung up, I'm like, stupid, stupid, stupid move. <laughs> but sure enough, life also helps you out a little bit. Got a little mentor and an Apple broadcaster that I had met told him about what I was going to do. And he's like, I'm, and I asked him if he would mentor me and he did. And since then I, I had to do it once by accident because Dale couldn't get back from Dallas. And so it was a home game, which I do not do color. I don't do that. And say, can you step in? And I'm like, sure I can. <laughs> Sounding much more confident than I felt. <laughs> so a lot of things we talked about today, you learned whether it was naturally or something or someone Sledgehammer. <laughs> having to shake you or hit you upside the head. What advice through through your experiences and your different pieces of life, what advice or tips would you give to others out there? If you had to do like a mind to define for women or anybody in their career that you were going to give some tips, what would it be? You know, it'd probably be the thing that I tell overthinker players who who one of the things that the first things I tell them is if there's a risk you want to take in your game, and, and it's got to fit to their sport, but whatever works for you, do it early. Like, so like, let's take soccer, since we're talking about soccer, go try to do it in your first 10 minutes. Like if there's a move you've been wanting to do, there's something you want to do. First of all, there's, you mitigate a lot of risk that way. You're usually physically not fatigued, where you can make up for the fact that that move will probably not work, maybe. And you're not mentally fatigued from decision-making. So it can be a really great time. First 10 minutes, go out there, Fail, you know, Will Smith does a bit, will fail early, fail often, fail forward. And so it would be one of those where I would say, you know, if I could go back to her, anybody like me, I'm never going to convince a per myself or a person like me to just like, just go be that, you know, person who feels good, just takes risks and do all that. But you can take smart risk and you can take mitigated risk. And, and I would say to maybe try that a little bit early try that a little bit earlier and you know find that boundary there's times when you're you should say no because you're pleasing others those are good times to say no i didn't want to run the club i mean, i'm glad i did it at the end of it but like i didn't really want to and and i'm glad I've, i finally said no but then there are times for yourself to say yes and if it's for yourself and yourself is the only one saying don't do it Maybe not listen to that self and go, yeah, we're going to do it. <laughs> this so is a maybe good push. Some, maybe sometimes don't give yourself enough time to let the fear and the doubt creep in and the, the fear of that mistake. Do it right away. Get yeah. yourself out there with the realization that most, almost nobody's going to remember yeah. that. But at the end, you'll feel so much better. Having yeah. And I think what I've learned over time, and I'm still learning it, um, is that uh, nothing's blown up yet, Right. Nothing that I'm doing right now makes a huge difference in terms of nobody's going to get hurt. You know, nothing. The The worst thing I could do is slip up and say, which I have, I've stumbled over words before. I accidentally tagged two sponsors one time. And, well, okay, great. They got a bonus tag. Yay, yay for you. You didn't even pay for that. You know, like what's the worst thing that could really happen? And that's another thing too, when it comes to risk loss aversion, which is one of the cognitive biases we all have, everybody has it for good reason is to question that loss aversion and say, is, is the loss that could come from this risk really as bad as I think it is? If you're not going to lose a limb and you're not going to hurt somebody, um, 
you know, it, it could be, and all you're going to maybe lose is a little bit of ego. You know, it, it, it's maybe not the worst loss to take. That's a great way, I think, to end the the segment with people who want to find you, work with you, whether it's Mind Define, Listen to You, KMWX. I know you have a, yeah, bunch, a bunch of different of places, ways. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to name them. I'm going to let you name them. <laughs> so I do have a website. It's www.mindtodefine.com, M-I-N-E-T-O-D-E-F-I-N-E. Um, I'm better accessed, though. It's it's not much of anything but a contact page, but I'm better accessed on social. So uh, Mind to Define can be found on Facebook. I can be found on LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter and Instagram handles are at Coach Jen MTD. Uh, but I think if you even search Mind to Define, it comes up. Um, and pretty responsive that way. And then when it comes to the broadcast side, um, you'll, you will find me either on an Odyssey station. So Odyssey Y98 carries the broadcasts and Odyssey KMOX carries the show on Sundays. All right. Well, thanks for joining. And sorry to those who maybe had to listen to more, a little bit more of the family side of things. But I think it, uh, it's important. To, I'm surprised we didn't, you know, have we do more. There's so when you have this much history, you're how many years old? Oh, four years younger than me. We've known each other for a long time. <laughs> well, hopefully everybody got something out of it, like I know I have. So thanks for your time today, and uh, good luck at the next city game. Thank you, sister. This concludes another episode of the She Lift Project podcast. To hear more episodes of the show, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more about our mission of helping women reach higher levels of success, visit sheliftproject.com and sign up to receive the latest news, ebooks, videos, and more.